When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ethan Warren. And this is The Great Hunting Caper. A few fairly important things happened to Jim Henson in the summer of 1980. For one, he ended the Muppet Show at the peak of its worldwide success. For another, he was finally given the chance to direct his first movie. And then there was the fact that his wife Jane left England with their children. After spending a single year on the same side of the Atlantic as her husband, just as they had agreed, Jane would once again leave Jim to his independence. England had been an adventure, Cheryl Henson would later say, but Jim's life no longer moved in sync with Jane's. It was time for his family to go home. For as thrilled as he might have been to finally direct a movie after more than a decade of trying and hoping, when the second Muppet movie went into pre-production that summer, Jim struggled to give himself over to the idea of a sequel. His disaffection and disconnection soon grew so evident that the film's cinematographer, Oscar winner Ozzie Morris, a frequent collaborator of John Huston's, who'd shot The Wiz two years earlier and Fiddler on the Roof a few years before that, begged Jim on behalf of the entire crew, please spend more time working on this Muppet movie. It was hard to do good work, Morris pleaded, when he felt so, quote, distant from you, end quote. Jim couldn't help it. He was already building new worlds in his head, ready to let his familiar Muppets lie dormant for the time being. The good news was, his usual financier, Lord Lou Grade, could be persuaded to pay for a risky Jim Henson passion project, but Lord Grade needed one thing first, another handsome return on investment for a movie starring the most popular puppets in history and, at the time, arguably the most universally beloved entertainers in existence. The new Muppet movie came to Jim as a collection of fragmentary ideas. In his journal, he jotted down Kermit, reporter detective, chasing a story, foreign intrigue, and some very good-looking, dashing leading man type to be Kermit's rival, Robert Redford, Chris Reeve. On another page, he wrote, film should have happy, funny, substance, adventure, music, and effects, with various notes beside each term. Jim handed his ideas to Jerry Jewell, his co-writer for nearly half his life by this point, but Jules' draft failed to meet the budding cinematic auteur's standards. There are a great many problems with this draft. Leading Jim to call in ringers from the staff at the Bob Newhart and Carol Burnett shows. Even with the script headed back to the drawing board, though, he called up Sesame Street maestro Joe Raposo and told him to get to work on some songs. Hey, a movie, Raposo would have the characters sing, only for the lumbering Sweetums to step in with a rhetorical, is there any way to stop it? By early 1981, there was finally a solid draft, but the film remained untitled. Jim held a naming contest among the staff at Henson Associates, but it was 19-year-old Lisa Henson who would win bragging rights. She submitted The Great Muppet Capade, but beside that title, she had jotted down a stray word, followed by a question mark. Caper? At long last, The Great Muppet Caper was ready to roll. 
The Great Muppet Caper is a movie. This is established in that opening number, which also informs the audience that in this one, Kermit and Fozzie will be playing the role of investigative journalists, with Gonzo as their intrepid photographer, roles the trio slip into as they ship off to London in search of answers concerning a recent jewel theft. There, they check in at the Happiness Hotel, falling in with the usual Muppet crowd, and Kermit soon encounters Miss Piggy, with whom he's instantly smitten despite a mild case of mistaken identity. The Muppets run afoul of the nefarious thief Nicky, played by an impeccably smarmy Charles Grodin, whose plot to steal the priceless baseball diamond, and folks, I'm gonna be real, I just got that, is compromised by his own instant attraction to Miss Piggy. After all the things promised in the opening number, spectacle, fantasy, daring do, and stuff like you would never see, the baseball diamond is saved, Nicky is apprehended, and the Muppets are parachuting home through the end credits. I read the one that has Dear Abby. Ah! Ah! <laughs> uh, uh, gee, Mr. Tarkanian, we thought identical twins working on a newspaper would make an interesting story. Yeah. Well, it doesn't. Especially since you two guys don't look anything alike. Uh, well, that's because Fozzie's not wearing his hat. Uh, Fozzie, put your hat back on. Oh, yes, sir. See? Oh, yeah. I can see it now. But that's still no excuse for blowing the story. Oh, we'll do better next time. Next time? Next time? What makes you think there's going to be a next time? Well, if there isn't, it's going to be a real short movie. Look, the only reason I hired you two jerks was because your old man was a friend of mine. Dad spoke well of you, too. Yeah, well, I'm as sentimental as the next guy. That's why I don't want him to hear this. You're fired. <gasps> Take that thing down off the ceiling. But, uh, but Mr. Turkinian... Guns off! Check. Woo-wee! Won't you listen to reason, sir? I'm not listening to anything, and I'm not giving you your job back. I don't want you to give us anything. We just want to go to England and talk to Lady Holiday, the woman who was robbed, and we'll catch those jewel thieves for you. You see, all you have to do is pay our way to London. Oh, is that all I have to do? <laughs> well, we could use some new luggage for the trip. Luggage! <laughs> now, look, Peter, I got a deadline to meet. Yeah, but how are we going to get to London? I'll tell you what, Fozzie, since you're such an investigative reporter, you figure it out. I'm Fozzie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the hat. <laughs> One of the other things in, in Great Muppet Caper that I just think is the the simplest and most incredible bit of comedy is when Kermit and Fozzie get hired at the newspaper. And, you know, you've got that the, the transition sort of headline on, on the paper where it's, you know, tw- you know twin brothers hired at newspaper. And the the paper boss is like, what? Like, you you guys don't look alike at all. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's because Fozzie's not wearing his hat. That He puts the hat on and they just, you know, it, it's just incredible. I think the joke about uh, Kermit and Fozzie being identical twins and then that cutaway to their dad being like a green bear with fr- Kermit the Frog eyes. Um, you know, that's one of those jokes that after Jim Henson passed away, one of the things that I could never, I I fully respect everyone who loves the Muppet Christmas Carol. I was too sad about Jim Henson being gone to enjoy a Muppet Christmas Carol. And one of the things that I remember that sort of stuck in my head is I remember reading an article at the time that there was a debate that what should Bob Cratchit's kids look like since he, Kermit and Miss Piggy are married in that. And there was talk that maybe they should have little green pigs and 
frogs with snouts and whether they should all be variations of frog and pig. But instead they were like, no, the little boys will be frogs, the little girls will be pigs. And there was a part of me that thought, I don't know, I think Jim would have Jim would have gone for the joke of like, and, and that is the joke in Great Mother Caper is like the idea that, yeah, a frog and a pig can be brother, twin brothers. Look at their dad. Looks like both, he looks like both of them. Great Muppet Caper, for me, has maybe my favorite joke in the world, uh, which is when the elaborate opening dance singing number happens and uh, the diamond, the baseball diamond, is stolen right behind Fozzie and Kermit and they don't notice it and the number ends and it cuts to that shot of them on the newspaper with the editor yelling at them about how every other newspaper has the story and their headline is identical twins join the Chronicle staff with the very unlike looking Fozzie and Kermit being the identical twins. I love that joke so much. Just the levels of it, the the fact that they don't look anything alike, but also the fact that they somehow got this through printing to be the headline story that these two new reporters have joined, the reporter and the photographer. If Jim had struggled to immerse himself fully in the Great Muppet Caper, another Henson family member was having no such trouble. 18-year-old Brian Henson had been tasked by his father with figuring out how to conjure a parade of Muppets on bikes. A deliberate act of self-one-upmanship on Jim's part after wowing audiences with Kermit's bike ride in the Muppet movie. Brian labored tirelessly in the Muppet workshop until he struck upon a solution, one involving radio control, marionettes, and long rods that would lash the bikes together. The resulting effect would be just as accomplished as the original, if a bit familiar. Pretty day, sunny sky, lovely pictures dance in your eye. It all seems so right, it all feels so rare. It was the water ballet sequence that caused the film's most significant technical challenges. 
Later, Jim would admit the entire sequence was a personal indulgence based on his love for old Esther Williams films. But that indulgence would take the greatest toll on Frank Oz, who was forced to operate Miss Piggy while submerged in a swimming pool heated to 80 degrees for the swimmer's comfort. The whole place was like a tropical jungle. Frank was weighed down at the bottom of the pool, sucking air through a mask provided by a scuba diver, until the cameras rolled, at which point he swam, keeping an eye on his underwater monitor, and puppeteered until his oxygen ran out. Naturally, the usual Miss Piggy puppets would have turned into sponges if immersed in a swimming pool, so once again the Muppet Workshop was forced to come up with something completely new, a waterproof Muppet. It took a lot of trial and error, but the result was impressive, give or take its inability to move properly, leading to over 40 stretched and cracked Miss Piggy heads. As Jim said, It was quite elaborate, but it was fun. We had a good time. Frank's ear infection might have begged to differ. I remember somebody made an observation once that I really liked. It's not my observation, um, but I uh, I will adopt it as as uh, I, I co-sign on this, which is that one of the the fun things about the Great Muppet Caper is it feels like that is the movie that they make. Uh, like the Muppet movie is about them wanting to go to Hollywood and making a movie and make a movie that makes millions of people happy, and the Great Muppet Caper is them. That's the, them making that movie. Um, which I think is a, a fun way to think of it because I I do tend to think of the the it's funny because they rebuild sort of the story of the Muppets in all three of those movies like who they actually are in a way that sort of makes it that there is no definitive story of like who the Muppets are the none of the Muppets in any of the the what I'll refer to as the trilogy you know like the 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 Henson Muppet movie trilogy. None of the Muppets in those movies ever worked on The Muppet Show. And it's fun to see the great Muppet Caper fully uh, fully just put them into a situation where they are characters in a new scenario. Capers swerve away from the heart. A decision has been made to speak in slightly more minor tones. Whether that's um, uh, like the, the heightened genre elements, the like... The jokes are a little quicker, but but a little more like harder to suss out. Yeah, and maybe that it's it's a Marx Brothers film. It feels it's it's like the second wave of Marx Brothers film. So like the Night of the Opera stuff, where like it's not pure anarchy. It's anarchy around a center, but there is some element of that that really does click for me. And happiness, Miss Piggy. That sequence is an all timer. That's that's the one. But the challenges did not end with the pool sequence. For the film's opening credits, which see Fozzie, Gonzo, and Kermit sail through the sky in a hot air balloon, 
Jim, Frank, and Dave Goals were forced to follow the Muppets by helicopter, puppeteering by remote control, all while a cameraman dangled below a second helicopter. Everyone made it out intact, at least every human. Fozzie did suffer a significant burn as the balloon touched down, necessitating the first ever film credit for a Muppet doctor. On the day of the balloon shoot, Jim and company were joined by a crew from CBS News. Asked to account for the appeal of Muppet movies, Jim answered, It's the Muppets meeting the world. They have just kind of an innocence of a person meeting the world for the first time. If Jim and Lord Grade had hoped the Great Muppet Caper's reception might match that of the Muppet movie, one of the most successful and beloved films of the past 10 years, they may have been slightly let down by the results both commercially and critically. Lord Grade had nearly doubled his Muppet movie investment for a budget of $14 million, about $52 million today, and though he made back twice that, it was still less than half as much as the Muppet movie had grossed. Cost twice as much as the last one, made back half as much. Jim Henson was no mathematician, but those were probably not the results he had been hoping for. Great Muppet Caper is my favorite. I think a lot of uh, people who write love the Muppet Caper. That's the one I think I watched the most when I was little. It is exactly my age, came out in 81. I think Charles Grodin is hilarious. But what I love so much is you can kind of see actors sinking and swimming opposite the Muppets. And so it's really cool to see which actors get into it and treat the Muppets like another actor, like an official scene partner. And nobody commits harder than Charles Grodin when he looks at Miss Piggy with like lust. I mean, you actually like see him fall in love with this puppet who's attached to Frank Oz, who's hiding. And uh, it's just hilarious. So I love Charles Grodin in it. I think the the running gag where we're supposed to think Fozzie and Kermit are brothers, if Fozzie's wearing the hat, is really, really funny uh, that they're twins. And I also love seeing um, Peter Falk in, in the movie just show up out of nowhere, which is so good. Yeah. Is, what I love about Muppet Capers, I love when the Muppets are are acting that they're other that they're not themselves and that's one of the kind of the fun things about the great muppet capers they're all playing characters in there uh there's a really beautiful moment as well with jerry nelson and his daughter in there um when she jerry's walking with his daughter and she said points to kermit on a on the on the park bench and says look daddy uh, a bear and he says no that's a frog bears wear hats um that was jerry nelson and his real life daughter christine who died shortly thereafter that so it's a really sweet moment in there um you know people <laughs> I know people who just ab absolutely adore the great Muppet caper. Um, and part of it is because, again, it's very character centric. And as, as I was saying, it's the Muppets playing characters, which is always really fun. And it's got, you know, the, the Muppet movie itself is a lot of really fun cameos. In the great Muppet caper, you, you take that almost one better in that you actually give the human movie stars a key role in the movie themselves so you know charles groden is one of the main characters and diana rigg is one of the main characters like they're playing right alongside the muppets it's almost like you put up the marquee you know diana rigg miss piggy charles Groden. like it's all movie star names lined up and they're right there on screen together and charles groden uh i mean it's just fantastic in that movie a lot of fun and and muppet caper is just it's a lot of fun and it's also kind of comes out of that era where you had you know the Agatha Christie movies that were being made with those all-star casts. You, you know, you had a lot of movies that had all-star casts in them. That's just another one of those films of the era that has the all-star cast in it. It just happens to be that half the cast is Muppets. I do think that Caper probably has the best cameos because Peter Falk getting everything wrong about Kermit's sub story 
and John Cleese being very polite to this frog and pig who have broken into his house are just two of the funniest, I think. We'll be right back after this quick break. Uh, the Great Muppet Caper, I, I think, is a perfect follow-up for the Muppet movie because it it, it keeps them in the business of sub, subverting genres. Um, some of the moments in the Muppet movie that get the biggest laughs from undergraduates today uh, who are seeing it for the first time are those moments when they step into uh, something very conventional like uh, the imagery that plays out during Miss Piggy's song where we see all this sort of romance novel stuff and film noir stuff and they're sort of playing with those conventions. Um, the Great Muppet Caper does that so well with the heist movie and with uh, the idea of the um, the crook falling in love with the beauty, the, the femme fatale. Great Muppet Caper was a weird one for me as a kid because I think it has the highest percentage of stuff that will seem boring to you as a child, but then when you get to be an adult, you find very funny. And a lot of that centers around Charles Grodin, who I think his whole affect would be baffling to a, to a small kid. Uh, or at least they would just sort of accept it as like, this is the boring human stuff that we have to get through and then we'll move on. But as an adult to see him lusting after Miss Piggy is so funny to me. Hello. <laughs> Miss, uh, Piggy. Miss Piggy? Right. Of course. Have dinner with me tonight. I'm very busy. Oh, can we meet just just for a moment? Just, underwear, just, underwear, just one underwear. brief moment, Miss Piggy. Miss. Hmm? Miss Piggy. You're a very different looking woman. I'm so tired of this. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Same type, those tall, thin creatures with the long legs, the, the aquiline noses, the teeth like pearls, soft skin. Yeah, well, I can see why that might make you sick to your stomach. <laughs> please, now. Please. Piggy. No, please. No, please. Please. Don't put a door between us. <clears throat> oh, comment! I was uh, looking for the men's room. I mean, speaking Mr. of Holiday, these is... sort of, you know, the the human beings that interact with Muppets, I I feel like Charles Grodin is really like he deserves the MVP out of all uh, all actors to have ever ever done it. I think the 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 way in which he commits to the bit of being fully head over heels in love with Miss Piggy is unreal. I mean, it's just incredible, and. I'm a big defender of uh, Elaine May's Ishtar, and I feel like in that film, Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty are basically playing Muppets, and Grodin is the one human in that film, and it feels exactly the same, like the same kind of energy across Ishtar and Muppet Caper, where he's just fully on board, you know? He's he's giving the most committed performance uh, in the most absurd of, uh, of circumstances. Charles Grodin, of course, um, you know, the one of his two Muppet essentially feature films, if you count his uh, Muppets Go to Walt Disney World, which I absolutely do count as the almost like the forgotten Muppet movie. Uh, the, the last Jim Henson Muppet movie being the made for TV one where they go to Disney World. Charles Grodin commits so hard to just being in a regular movie. I mean, that's the be- that's the best thing about humans in the Muppet world is how many of them just fully uh, engage in it's a movie where I'm going to give the same performance that I would give if I was in an Elaine May film as I am, you know, falling in love with this pig. So I've been told a lot of people are talking about Charles Grodin, and I would hate to let the great Muppet caper go by without talking about how funny Diana Rigg is in it. And you know she can do funny stuff already. She was on The Avengers. The Avengers was kind of a tongue-in-cheek show a lot of the time. And in Diana Rigg's performance in it, she is so buying into the reality of all of these characters while also playing a sort of cartoonish version of a kind of high fashion, high society person, but never going so far with it that you don't believe she's a person. And it's something that the best Muppet productions in general, but especially the movies have, is this agreement on the part of the Muppet performers and on the part of the non-Muppet human no puppet performers of the exact right level and balance of joke in the exact right level and balance of either tongue-in-cheekness or reality and in some of the later movies i feel like they have tipped that balance too much in one way or the other and it hasn't been quite as successful but in those early ones there's just this great consistency of performance tone that you get throughout it where the actors are taking it just seriously enough, but not too seriously. And the Muppets are being 
just serious and just funny enough without being too serious or too goofy either way. And it's I'm I'm uh I'm always amazed by it every time I see it because you know that they are acting opposite felt puppets that are being operated by people who are below them on a on a lowered platform or they're on a raised platform and it's just a, it's an amazing kind of high wire uh, act of making the making you believe that these that these real actors and these puppet actors are living things that exist in the same space and I remember. I, would, I worked for two seasons with Jonah Ray on the Netflix version of Mystery Science Theater 3000, and often the scenes that Jonah was shooting in front of the camera were just him talking to two puppets or three puppets with no other human beings. And I remember how exhausted he felt after takes because he had to create so much energy and he had to put forward so much believability because he was the only human being, he's the only character who could really move their face particularly uh, on, sta on stage in front of the camera. And I just have to imagine Charles Grodin and Diana Rigg and, and all the all the human actors and uh, Peter Falk in that in that one scene, all of them having to bring so much energy in order to uh, to maintain that reality and to reflect energy onto the Muppets. That Peter Falk scene is is so funny. It's so amazing, and it's a, it's such a. Look, Dad, there's a bear. No, Christine, that's a frog. Bears wear hats. How you doing, young fella? Uh, okay, I guess. Penny for your thoughts. Well, it's a long story. But a familiar one, I bet. Mm. Older than the hills. I've been there, my friend. I've been there. It's such a, it's a scene that really doesn't need to be in the movie at all. And if you were making a quote-unquote good, solid movie, you would cut that out because it's not necessary at all. But it's so funny. And, I, it's, and it's so great to see uh, a, the human being the kind of funny character and the Muppet being the, the kind of reactive character in it, since so often it's the other way around. So funny. Just when, just when Kermit being like, no, it's not like that at all. Like, that's not, you got everything completely wrong. Ugh, so funny. It's great to see, you know, the Muppet movie feels a little bit more like um, Easy Rider or something. <laughs> it feels a little bit more like it's out in the world. And the great Muppet caper feels like, no, we're going to make a, an old-fashioned Hollywood mystery. And it's going to have Busby Berkeley numbers, and it's going to have um, big set pieces. And uh, it's fun to see them do that. I'm glad they didn't just repeat the formula that worked in the Muppet movie. They did something new that... That's the thing that as a, as a Muppet fan, ultimately, as we get past the Muppet movie trilogy, you know, part of what's a little bit, uh, for me at the time, I wanted more Muppets. And Jim Henson wanted to keep discovering new things. And one of the things that, as a, as a kid and as a teenager even, who wanted just more Muppets, Jim Henson's restlessness creatively was always a little bit like, oh no, like, but I get it. He knew how to do the Muppets. Every time he did something with the Muppets, it worked and he moved on. So, you know, we get our trilogy of Muppet movies and then that's sort of like, that's, that's all we get from Henson. There's not a fourth Muppet movie with Jim's uh, uh, voice involved with his fingerprints on it in that way. But, you know, 
every time they did something, it worked. There, there wasn't an example of him making a Muppet movie that didn't work, you know, which is both good, but it's also the thing that means that increasingly there are fewer and fewer Muppet things as he's trying to do, you know, something uh, a little bit different, something that scratches a different creative itch. Charles Grodin is perfect in The Great Muppet Caper because he, he fully commits to it and he, he connects with the Muppets as if they're any human actors from any of the other films he's been in. He's, he's just, he just had just the right dry humor for that. Um, Diana Rigg, whose reputation was, you know, sort of prestige pro projects, she also finds just the right notes to play in that. But I think a very important connection was made in The Great Muppet Caper, and that was the connection between The Muppet Show or the Muppet community and Monty Python. Uh, there's something so right about John Cleese uh, showing up in the middle of that movie. And it's it's actually, I wish those worlds had collided a little bit more. I mean, his episode of The Muppet Show is a classic one as well. But again, that sense of near anarchy at times, that sense that we're gonna respect the rules enough that the ship holds together and can sail, but we are gonna throw a party on that ship that threatens to capsize it. And uh, Monty Python was always that way. The, I think the Muppets were very much informed by Monty Python. And so it's great, great to see him at the heart of that film. Critics weren't much more encouraging. Though Vincent Canby used the term revelation and declared, quote, all hail Kermit and Miss Piggy, end quote, most begged to differ. Roger Ebert awarded the film just two stars after heaping praise on the Muppet movie. The Muppets, quote, behave like clones of other popular kitty superstars, like the basic cartoon heroes they once seemed destined to replace, end quote. The film, he concluded, was, quote, too nice, too routine, too predictable, and too safe, end quote. The Boston Globe's review did not mince words, though Oz sparkled as Miss Piggy, without the character, quote, the Great Muppet Caper would be a real dog, end quote. The Great Muppet Caper is a movie that I enjoy a lot. The kids in my family love it until it gets to that long Miss Piggy kind of uh, 30s style musical number, which I love. And I'm so amazed at the puppeteering in it. And my kids find it so dull and everything from that point on. So what we've seen, we've watched the first half of The Great Muppet Caper many, many times. Uh, but The Great Muppet Caper, like the Muppet movie, does this, that same amazing job of creating a fake reality and getting you to buy into that fake reality. That literally the whole opening number is about, we're in a movie, this isn't real, but isn't that exciting that we're in this movie and we're gonna act like it's real. And the and, uh, when they're talking about how, the, all the jokes about Kermit and Fozzie being identical twins, which is hilarious, which is objectively <laughs> hilarious. The Great Muppet Caper compared to the Muppet movie doesn't seem to have the same sense of purpose to it, but there's still such a joy and enthusiasm in it and just seeing the Muppets interacting with the real world and how in the Muppet movie it's so much of it is rural you know there's you're, they're going down country roads things like that so it's, it doesn't feel that difficult but seeing them interact with a city is very exciting to me that and uh, the I don't know why my older son for a long time he loved the um, what's the song that the electric mayhem plays on the top of the double-decker bus uh, night night sounds or night moves or something like that and they, he would watch that over and over again, and he was like, I love that song. Let's listen to that song. And I'm like, well, it's barely a song. Like, they're just kind of, like, jamming, I guess. But I think it was seeing them existing so so really in a, in a real world, you know. Uh, not even a, how did they do that type of thing, but just, oh, they exist in the world. This is astounding. My younger son was taking a bath, and I was singing him uh, Happiness Hotel just last night because 
It's such a funny song, and it's such a grab bag of a song that there's like funny lyrics. Then they do the the kind of like corny jokes in between that you know I, I think your your uh, your bellboys are, look like rats. You should see the chambermaids, that kind of stuff, and. Then this amazing kind of jam in the middle between the members of the Electric Mayhem. And it's very funny how even in a movie set in England, the hotel is still run by kind of like Southern Old West, like this kind of like American country, you know, type of people that um, there's this this deep strain in, in the Muppets of there's this deep strain in the Muppets of feeling very American. And it's very funny to me that the movie is set in England and yet it still feels like it's they they still managed to land in the most american hotel in the in the, in all of england uh of course it's a low rent falling apart dilapidated hotel because everything in the muppets is falling apart and dilapidated and low rent um but that's the fun of it i guess we just finished watching the great muppet caper and i would like to know right just off the top of your head what you thought of it i loved it why did you love it it was silly, and I like the parts where, where gems were being sealed. So we actually tried watching this movie when you were much, much littler, and you um, had really liked the Muppet movie a lot, and then you didn't get very much out of this one. Do you think you can understand why, as a little kid, you didn't like this one as much? I don't know. No? Not that you're not a little kid anymore. Are you a little kid? Are you a big kid? What are you right now? I'm a medium kid. Okay, so when you were a little kid, you found this a little confusing. And I think it's just like, you have to understand like concepts like what diamonds are and people wanting to steal them, which I think you didn't quite understand when you were three or however old you were when we tried to watch this. So this is the second Muppet movie and it starts with the big song, Hey, A Movie. Did you like this song? Mm. Didn't like it as much as, as Rainbow Connection? Yeah. Did you like the songs in this as much as the songs in the Muppet movie? Well, I like that they had more, like, cool detail. Oh, what kind of cool detail? Like, when Miss Piggy was singing, the swimmers, I like that. Oh, the big uh, water ballet number, that, you were a big fan of that part? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably the most famous part of this whole movie, I think. Um, were there other parts in this movie that you really enjoyed? Mm, I liked the part where, where there were, like, the old woman and the old man and Miss Piggy was sneaking around in their house. Yeah, the old man played by John Cleese. Very funny guy. There's not as many sort of great famous people in this one as there are in the Muppet movie, but there are some good, good little pop-ins from famous people. And yeah, this part is very funny. Um, I'm going to be honest. Can I just be honest for a second? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. You, might, you don't mind if I'm honest? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I don't like this movie. This this is this is my least favorite Muppet movie. I still like it because it's a Muppet movie, but it's my least favorite of the three of them. Can you understand why that would be? No. No? Do you think that's a bad opinion? Well, I mean, you're my dad. That's true. So I like your opinions, but I really love this Muppet movie. I think it's the best one yet. You think this is better than the Muppet movie? Mm-hmm. What makes you say that? I don't know. I just like the bad guys. You like the bad... Oh, you mean like the cat burglars, the the ladies? Yes. Oh, boy. So, somebody who does not always like bad guys in movies is being swayed by the bad guys in this movie. That is interesting. Boy. Well, you're my daughter, and I like your opinions. Oh, boy, that is... That is... 
you you have struck to the core of me by saying the Great Muppet Caper is better than the Muppet movie. I just like my I just like this movie more. And that is what makes the world go round is differences of opinion. All right, any uh, any parting thoughts? Should we tell the listeners to check in at the Happiness Hotel? Um, I liked. I think that the people there are very silly. Silly, that's the buzzword when it comes to the Great Muppet Caper and Muppet Productions in general. Being very sheltered from culture, uh, when I saw the Great Muppet Caper, it was extremely exciting in ways I couldn't couldn't quite explain. It wouldn't be for another 20 uh, years or so that I would devote my life to crime. Um, I found out in my mid to late twenties, uh, that I, crime was what I was really interested in when it came to, uh, film and television and, and literature, uh, and writing and discussing, um, you know, I, I, I grew up in, in that very conservative religious household and following rules and things like that were, were very important to me and I became pretty fascinated when I realized there were criminals out there who you know just didn't <laughs> just didn't and and that even people who uh, who uh, were the good guys kind of they weren't necessarily following all the rules and and that and I've really became fixated on this uh but but the great muppet caper is an example of a crime movie that uh, before i knew i was really into crime really resonated with me i mean a, over the muppet movie way over the muppets take manhattan and and all the subsequent muppet movies the great muppet caper stood out it's obvious to me in retrospect because it was a crime movie and um i loved getting to you know sort of the back door into the genre just like sesame street was a back door into culture uh in a broad sense uh the uh, great Muppet caper was a back door into a genre that i loved the rest of my life and you know i got to know the tropes through the jokes um you know and and they were funny it helped that they were that they were really funny but um you know the treacherous uh, relatives, um, you know, Charles Grodin stealing, stealing Diana Riggs, uh, diamond, you know, being just this very obvious, uh, villain, you know, is something that happens in, in crime stuff all the time. The, uh, uh, the, the, the sexy heist crew. Oh man. I mean, those, those ladies, those models, uh, definitely did something to my brain when, uh, uh, at a young age, they, they really kind of defined glamorous uh, sexiness uh, for the rest of my life, probably. But um, got the, the heist sequence, trying to, uh, both the heist sequence that uh, Charles Grodin and, the, and the, his thieves' uh, nest are going, going through, and, and the counter heist that the Muppets are going through, uh, you know, both of these are... are it's the joke version, but it was pretty electric to me, um, even as a kid. And um, it's you know, it's like before the divide between the Hardy Boys and the Michael Mann, there was 
there was the great Muppet caper uh, that was exciting for reasons I couldn't couldn't quite explain. But uh, yeah, it's far far and away my favorite my favorite of the Muppet movies. If this bothered Jim, it didn't slow him down. After all, he just needed to deliver a Muppet movie before Lord Grade financed his next project. Jim had held up his end of the bargain. It was time for Lord Grade to hold up his. On the next episode of The Great Henson Caper, we're heading to another world, another time, in the podcast of wonder. Every morning, every day, every evening, calling me away. We're almost there, come on. Every morning, every day, every evening, calling me away. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.